You're listening to a classic business podcast as heard on Classic 1027. 1027. Well, certainly uh, room for optimism in markets today. We saw the JSE all share end up uh, 0.6% higher to end the day at 55,394 points. Most room C facing, save for uh, financials, which didn't have a great day, down uh, just under half a percent. And the property index as well, down 0.59. The big gainer, the gold index, up 3.3. Resources up 1.3. So general resources doing well. And retailers on the back of those Retail numbers, car track races to become a dividend aristocrat. Um, and Apple, well, let's just say this won't be the first time that someone was disappointed with six inches. Lots to talk about with uh, Wayne McCurry, portfolio manager at FB Wealth and Investment, and Craig Pfeiffer, chief investment strategist at ABSA Stockbrokers and Portfolio Management. Guys, welcome. Wayne, sum up the mood for me in markets today ahead, uh, certainly locally, of a watershed announcement tomorrow. We hope. Yes. Look, it will probably, on analysis, prove to be a little disappointing until you dig down into the detail for a number of reasons. First of all, I don't think it's going to get anything dramatically new. So, In other words, it's going to be existing programs, which are all good and all fine, that we just never implemented properly, that will probably come to the fore. And very typical of our state president's style he seeks consensus. He seeks consensus in doing anything. So it maybe won't be as bold as what a lot of people would hope for. But what you must realize is that this is the first time in an extraordinarily long time that everyone in the country, all the main power bases, agree on something. That in itself is a dramatic step forward. And of course, whenever you're in trouble and you need money, if you're a government, guess what? Taxes are going up somewhere. But you ever, you ever didn't think that was going to happen, specifically given COVID, just wasn't living on the same planet, quite frankly. So taxes, some form of taxes somewhere are going to have to go up. The problem is uh, the, this whole issue around laffer curves and uh, you reach a point when you uh, increase taxes but you actually end up uh, in, uh, you're collecting less revenue because all they do is dampen growth uh, and also dampen tax morality in an environment where we've yet to truly and decisively deal with uh, the state capture era. Uh, that said, we are seeing some arrests still being made, uh, but l- many grumbling at the thought of, of, of taxes is being increased. Craig, I want to bring you in on that point. We we had Treasury come out of the statement last night saying that uh, it's um, delayed or at least uh, submitted the request to Parliament to reschedule the presentation of uh, the medium-term budget policy statement, which it was accepted, so it'll go out now to the 28th, another week. And the reasons here that were cited were complex decisions, I quote, taken by Cabinet on adjusted estimates and also the implications of time frames for finalisation of this economic reconstruction and recovery plan. What do you read into that reason um, that uh, is giving the finance minister sleepless nights to try and find more rabbits to pull out of an increasingly shrinking hat? Well, thank you, Michael. I, I don't think that can be such an enviable job um, at the moment to try and balance all of those uh, balls in the air. Um, but it's, it's probably nothing new. Uh, we've been trying to pull a rabbit out of a hat for a very long time. Um, but I, I guess, as you said, there's a bit of cautious optimism and, and the hope that this time, given that uh, 
you know, we've included labor, we've included government, we've included the private sector, that uh, we can actually get a plan that will work here. And uh, it's taken it's taken a very long time to, to see the light of day. So we're very grateful that we're going to hear it tomorrow. But uh, I guess some of those last-minute adjustments and uh, just putting it before Parliament might have caused a few tweaks uh, here and there. Um, and uh, and that may be something that's input into the you know, the medium-term um, expenditure framework. Um, you know, you make a little tweak in year one that could have a big impact on years two and three and the like. And, uh, you know, the pressure's on tomorrow on the um, on the president to deliver something that's that's believable and workable and it's got enough detail in um, that's going to you know take everyone along for the ride but then uh, a week later we've got um, the finance minister with uh, even more important um, well maybe not more important but as important uh, job of telling us how we're going to narrow the budget deficit reduce our our massive debt uh, burden and uh, you know how we're going to go even over the next 10 years, because it's looking pretty awful from, from this yep. vantage point. Uh, so you've uh, got lots to think about. Lots to think about. If you read, Wayne, that uh, Saab um, biannual monetary policy review, mm. the Reserve Bank was at pains to comment on the debt levels in South Africa and the fact that, apart from Argentina, no other country in the emerging market or OECD basket that it used to compare, compare South Africa with has taken on more debt, and no country will indeed take take on more debt over the next two to three years. So the big issue then is is how much debt we can take on. If you look at what the Presidential Economic Advisory Council said uh, ahead of this announcement, uh, they seem concerned that um, we, we cut too deeply and uh, we impact growth uh, and they've seemed to recommend uh, a bit more tolerance for taking on more debt. Uh, what do you make of our room to be to be approaching the economy in such a way? Surely the time now is for austerity. Yes, uh, unfortunately, I personally can't come to anything other than that same conclusion that now is the time for austerity. But there are obviously many different views and many different voices. Uh, we actually had quite an extensive discussion about that recommendation from the Presidency Advisory Economic Advisory Council. But the President will more than likely do something in the middle, you know, not total austerity, but allowing some payment, because otherwise, you know, that the government sits in such a difficult position. Out of every 10 rand the government gets in, it spends three rand on salaries and wages, it spends one rand on uh, paying back the debt, you know. There's not much left over for other, for other to spend other things on, so they've got to control the government salary bill, and there's no option, so there's got to be some element of austerity coming into the system. But, you know, with all the problems, and we all know this, and we're well aware of it, you know, the RAND actually behaving itself there. It is at 16 Rand 49 to uh, the greenback. And uh, uh, from a, a political economy perspective, um, Wayne, it does look like uh, the president has at least cemented his power inside the ruling party following his, uh, his spat with Jacob Zuma, which is a, a non-event almost, and yes. what we've seen with Ace Mugashula. Yes, he actually spoke to a very well-known political economist today. And he said he is in an unassailable position in the ANC. He said his opposition with the state president's opposition in the ANC is in tatters and disarray. And in fact, they carry such little influence now 
that uh, ex-president Zuma's letter to our uh, to the to the state president on the eve of the big ANC NEC meeting is is not even answered, let alone brought up as a contentious item at the ANC NEC itself. It, it was just mentioned at the fringes, and it hasn't even been replied to. That's the that's the position that ex-president Zuma has within the ANC at the moment. It, it wasn't even applied to, and this political analyst said the opposition to the ANC, to, the, to uh, President Ramaphosa within the ANC, is not interested in, in, in the state president, they say they're only interested in how do they stay out of jail. Yep, and that's uh, pretty much what we need to see is uh, the likes of uh, all of those implicated uh, in state capture appearing before the Zondo Commission uh, with memory loss uh, and very flimsy excuses, uh, frog marched uh, off in leg irons uh, and uh, spending time in orange overalls. Then we'll start to see uh, some credibility return as well. Uh, let's shift our, our gaze, Craig, uh, not to the English Premier League where your team managed to smash my team 7-2, the less we say about that. And sit second on the log. Um, And I have to mention that because I I was certainly the first one to rib uh, Villa when uh, they were on the way down. Uh, So chapeau, well done on a good start. But Apple, and um, there's a there's a company I love giving it to because I also think that uh, Apple is just one of those brands that's uh, a little bit overrated and overtraded for what you get, but they never fail to uh, sing the the right song to the true believers. And once again, we see with the Apple iPhone 12, they've got now an iPhone 12 mini, uh, the 6.1 inch uh, iPhone 12 Pro, and uh, the market's uh, seeming seeming to like this, up 0.2% of the open today. Yes, and don't forget that 6.7 Max Pro. Um, Also also, uh, the biggest iPhone that they've had or biggest screen that they've had so far. So I think they continue to, uh, you know, go along that path of innovation, giving the market what they want. And, and, uh, you know, just there's that element of, uh, you know, that buzz of excitement about Apple, their events. And uh, they've just got, uh, you know, massive following as as a company with shareholders and uh, also the company that produces these uh, snazzy tech goods. And uh, I'm, I'm listening to your dulcet tones over my Apple iPhone and uh, with the, uh, my arm raised up with my little Apple Watch on, on, the, on there too. So I'm an Apple fan uh, out and out as well. And I think they just keep doing, doing the right things um, and, uh, you know, bringing the market what they want. Um, and, uh, yeah, they seem to be getting it right. Well, uh, you, uh, you could say they're getting it right. A market cap of 2.1 trillion US dollars. It is quite staggering, isn't it? Uh, and Wayne, to bring you in here, not cheap on a PE currently of 36 is Apple, but that yeah. seems to be the market. There is no alternative. You're either in the tech stocks or you're losing out. Correct. And, and I think fundamentally to be in the tech stock is the right thing to do. Look, I'm a Luddite. I don't know the difference between an Apple 1 and an Apple 14. <laughs> and I've never owned an Apple. And I carry as little electronic gadgets with me as I possibly can to be able to survive. But I clearly recognize that tech is the way to go. And this is not the dot-com boom. Bust. There was plenty of people of my generation, you know, that little, that little bug sits in the back of their heads. And they don't really trust this lot because they lived through that 2002 
story. This is completely different. These are companies with substantial profits, substantial balance sheets, substantial client bases. It's, so the only criticism you can make of the big tech companies is the one you've just done, is that the PE might look a bit high. That's the only true criticism. Yeah, but uh, when you continue to deliver earnings uh, the, the way they do, as you say, these are not pre-revenue startups a la yeah. 1999. These are yeah. uh, earnings-generating uh, machines. They certainly become that. We've got Amazon Prime Day kicking off this week. I mean, that that's another example of exactly what you were talking about. Um, and, and so, yeah, for as long as we've got this easy money swilling around, looking for a home, looking for a return, I'll go back to the Tina statement, Craig. There is no alternative other than tech. And, uh, and so we see it rising. I want to shift uh, back to um, high gear in the local market. If you look at Cartrack's performance, uh, the share price really rallied in the build-up to this uh, interim results announcement, which makes you wonder who knew what ahead of time. Uh, HEPs up 21%, interim dividend uh, up 33.5%, uh, and, and really good numbers in a very depressed environment. You'd be happy with those numbers, I would think, in any kind of environment. So, uh, <laughs> you know, at every level, um, you know, every version of earnings, uh, every level of the income statement, um, doing extremely well. Um, the uh, the dividend also virtually all of the um, all of the earnings per share. So, a very healthy dividend there as well. Uh, strong cash flow, and uh, I think they make the point of, of telling us that most of the their earnings and their, or most of their revenue is, uh, is from the annuity that they get, their subscription revenue. So, uh, you know, in a time like this, they haven't been able to maybe install as many devices or software, um, and uh, obviously that's, that's uh, improved again. But uh, they've got that annuity base of income that, that just keeps turning up. When you wake up in the morning, you know, you, your, your revenue just ticks over again. So they've managed to uh, do a, a pretty good job um, uh, yeah, the, the, the share's definitely been on a, quite a ride uh, over the last couple of months, over the last quarter. Um, it looks it looks quite heady, but uh, in this environment, you want to look for mm-hmm. companies that can produce earnings like this and these kinds of numbers, and uh, and those things come at a premium. But yeah, a good result all round. Yeah, well done to CEO Zach Callisto and the rest of the team. Craig Pfeiffer, Chief Investment Strategist at AMSA Stockbrokers and Portfolio Management, and Wayne McCurry, Portfolio Manager at FNB Wealth and Investments, with your view from the market.